This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Progressive, The Young Turks, The Colbert Report, The Majority Report, Media Matters, Mumia Abu-Jamal, and Citizen Radio with a bonus clip for our Apple, iOS, and Android app users from NPR. John McCain has gone from being a maverick to Lester Maddox. McCain's adamant opposition to lifting Don't Ask, Don't Tell has dashed any congressional hopes for ending this blatant discrimination. This week, the Senate fell just three votes short of doing away with Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and McCain's opposition was key. Over the years, he shifted his rationales on this issue, but his homophobic attitude sure hasn't changed a bit. So now, in his fading years, he's chosen to go down like Maddox or George Wallace or Orville Faubus or Strom Thurmond. That's his choice, I I suppose, to muck up his reputation even further, a reputation that at one time had him standing up to the crazies in his party, but now he's just another crazy. Fortunately, this doesn't mean the end to the campaign to get rid of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That campaign will ultimately be successful as the courts, perhaps even our current conservative Supreme Court, will recognize this blatant discrimination for what it is. On that day, all the courageous activists can rejoice and John McCain will be left to stew in his own rancid juices. Uh, is one of my favorite congressmen. Uh, he's a Republican, uh, of course, of Texas, and uh, he say he's deeply conservative and deeply befuddled, and usually irrational is a gross understatement. Uh, almost always irrational, almost always befuddled by the facts, and he is Gomer. So he's going to come on here and talk about uh, repealing of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." He's of course against it. Uh, he thinks uh, gays are terrible for the military, and that if we earlier in his speech he said you know if we do this um, that thousands perhaps tens of thousands perhaps hundreds of thousands of servicemen and women will leave the armed forces now I please I can't wait to see if that happens and you know what Louis I'll come out here and say Louis 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 you were totally right <laughs> okay if a hundred thousand eighty thousand eight thousand Okay, any of those numbers leave the forces after you, we repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which we will at some point. I say, man, Gomert nailed it. He had it right. Okay, And he goes on this long speech. And by the way, they say, well, how about the fact that there's a poll of servicemen saying 70% of them don't mind at all, right? Uh, and he's like, yeah, don't believe the poll. Uh, fa facts are annoying things. Uh, I'm a Republican. I don't need facts. Nope, don't believe it. They probably asked the question in the wrong way. Okay. Uh, and he's going to explain at the end here uh, how all great empires have died and ceased to exist because of the gays. <laughs> Let's watch. To my friend who said history will judge us poorly, I would submit if you will look thoroughly at history, 
And I'm not saying it's cause and effect, but when militaries throughout history of the greatest nations in the world have adopted the policy that fine for homosexuality to be overt, you can keep it private and control your hormones, fine. If you can't, that's fine, too. They're toward the end of their existence as a great nation. Uh, yeah, no, totally. Like Alexander, the greatest conqueror of all time, who was at the very least bisexual, according to most historical accounts. Yeah, his army did terrible, except for the fact that he was the greatest conqueror of all time. <laughs> okay, yeah, history. <laughs> Riddled with facts. Gomert can't keep up. <laughs> By the way, there's no specifics, always with Gomert's speeches. Really? Which army? Which empire? When did they switch from disliking gays to liking gays in the military, and then they fell apart? What dates? What was, what was the event? Nothing, right? Dad, you know what he's referring to, right? Uh, the Romans and the Greeks, they became gay at some point, and at some point their empires went away. All of a sudden, Gomer's from Brooklyn. Dad, I don't know, you know? They seemed to go away when they got gay. Who's the boy you like the most? Is it teasing you with underage? Could he be waving from a tropical sunset? Static silhouette somehow Single in a bed someday Quiet till it falls, falls, falls Roam, 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 focus Looking forward the Coliseum Oh no, what did I say? What can I say? Roam, roam, many tears are falling here I'll be driving you look the other way As you know, I am a huge supporter of the military's don't ask, don't tell policy. It is a testament to the American tolerance of all people we never find out are gay. <laughs> in fact, I bet I'm tolerating unknown gays in my audience right now. <laughs> Let's see, if you're gay, don't tell me. <laughs> Could be all of them. <laughs> Yet I'm fine with not knowing that. But last week, Secretary of Defense Gates went before Congress to ask that don't ask, don't tell be repealed. I strongly urge the Senate to pass this legislation and send it to the President for signature before the end of the year. I believe this has become a matter of some urgency. Some urgency? Where's the fire, Bob? Do homosexuals have an expiration date? Best if gay by? Even independent senator and human puff pastry Joe Lieberman recently tweeted Keep Senate in session until Don't Ask, Don't Tell repealed. If not now, when? But I counter-tweet, if when, not now. <laughs> Folks, the military is not your normal workplace. Suddenly allowing openly gay soldiers is not as simple as allowing khakis on Fridays. By the way, the guys who show up with non-pleated khakis, don't ask. <laughs> You see, a fighting force has to preserve something called unit cohesion, which is military speak for no gay guys. <laughs> when you're in combat, the number one thought in your mind as bullets are whizzing overhead is, I hope the guy who just saved my ass wasn't saving it for later. <laughs> now, now a Pentagon study a Pentagon study came out last week that said that 70% of service members 
would have little or no problem if Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed. But this study is clearly biased. I mean, think about it. That 70% who have no problem with gay people have no problem with gay people. Changing the policy really affects 100% of the 30% who do have a problem with gay people. <laughs> and our military readiness would be undermined by their vaguely defined discomfort. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Just ask former war hero and current former war hero, John McCain, <laughs> who pointed out the study's fatal flaw. Admiral, I'm, I'm really kind of taken aback at yours and the Secretary's statement that we won't have a, quote, referendum by the men and women in the military. I never made a major decision in the military without going around and talking to the enlisted people. Because having the troops vote on everything the military does is standard operating procedure. I mean, remember how General Patton beat the Nazis. We're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. If that's okay with you. <laughs> so we've, we, we've just got to poll everyone in the military, from the top generals to the lowest private. And not just the troops. Everyone who's involved, people who supply the bases, military contractors, Civil War reenactors, and 10-year-olds playing Risk in their basements. If even one of them objects to repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell, John McCain and I believe that that's too soon. And if no one in our military wants to deny gays the right to fight and die for their country, then I say we need to ask people who do share our traditional anti-gay values. The Taliban. It's only fair, after all, it's their war, too. Now the time has come, has come, has come. The music's between us, though the night seems young. Seems young, seems young. Is that an end? Only change will bring, will bring, will bring you out of the darkness in this You know, Barney Frank is one of those guys that they love to attack now. And it's not because he's gay. I don't understand why they do that. He's so good. You'd think they'd pick somebody a little... I'll tell you why. Oh, okay. Because he's gay. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> That's why. There is no other reason. I mean, he's... I guess he's sort of got a funny Elmer Fudd type of voice. Uh, and he's smart. And he's, a uh, you know... He can be at times... Um, you're on your wire there. Uh, he can be at times a, uh, a powerful advocate for um, uh, the left. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm satisfied with, with some of the financial regulation, but be that as it may. Uh, and so he's a good target because he's gay. And if you ever listen to Limbaugh, it's, it's a constant, if not explicit, um, uh, reference to his being gay or, you know, hi, Bernie Frank, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so he's gay. And um, the right wing, you know, they don't like gays. 
or they don't like it's the sin it's the sin that's wrong I love gay people I don't know why I'm doing a southern accent now. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing a southern gay accent. Uh, but um, So let's play this clip. It's, it's pretty funny, and um, I think it's what inspired uh, Ryan Riley at TPM to go and talk to this uh, Elaine Donnelly. Here's a clip of it. I have a question for you about the, uh, the working group that Secretary Gates put into effect. He appointed of the Defense Department working group. They recommended that a straight military personnel will have to shower with... Stop it for one second. Now, what does that mean? Recommended that straight personnel will have to shower. This guy's an idiot, too, right? That's not... I mean, what language is this guy speaking? They said that they will have to straight, uh, they will, gays will, will uh, shower with straight people. Uh, Barney Frank's, uh, you know, his point here is incredibly obvious. I mean, it almost like you can't even repeat what this guy says without saying, like, what? But here, run it back and then play it again. We'll run, run it through. Group that Secretary Gates put into effect, he appointed of the Defense Department Working Group. They recommended that a straight military personnel will have to shower with homosexual. <gasps> open showering with homosexual. What do you think happens in Jim's All of America? What do you think happens in the House of Representatives? Of course, people shower with homosexuals. What a silly issue. What, 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 what do you think goes wrong when people shower with homosexuals? Do you think it's the spray makes it catching? I mean, people shower with homosexuals in college dormitories, in gyms where people play sports, in gyms elsewhere. It is a complete non-issue. So that recommendation, you think, is, is a non-issue? <laughs> I, to accept the principle that homosexuals can't shower with other people, is a degree of discrimination that goes far beyond this. I mean, uh, we, we don't get ourselves dry cleaned. We, we tend to take showers when we go to the gym, when we play sports. The notion that there's somehow anything new in the first place about showering with homosexuals. Remember, under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, by the way, the policy was that you would be showering with homosexuals, you just weren't supposed to know which was which. So there was no change in that. The notion that knowing that someone is gay or lesbian as opposed to knowing that there are gay lesbian people that don't know who they are, if that somehow makes a difference, it's pretty silly. So, uh, this guy's, you know, this is the, the latest concern here. And, of course, uh, Barney Frank is perfectly right. I mean, gays and straight people have been showering together for a long time. And I guess presumably, I mean, it's, it's sort of a fascinating question. What... what well, but I'm now aware that that person is gay and that they might want to have sex with me. It's uh, a fascinating fear. And it really does belie, like, the, really, I mean, you've got to take the fear to the next step, which is the guy goes, and what if I want to have sex with that man? So this uh, Elaine Donnelly... Uh, has been asked uh, by Talking Points Memo, uh, what, what are your plans to, uh, uh, to fight? How are you going to fight Don't Ask, Don't, uh, don't Tell? She says, well, I'm not prepared to say yet. It's too soon to say because new Congress has not come in. The options before the Congress have yet to be sorted out. One thing I will say, 
CMR will continue to support the troops, and our mission has always been to advocate high standards on a variety of issues. That will not change. There will be no lavender uniforms. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they think. The misunderstanding caused by Don't Ask, Don't Tell were exploited very skillfully by those who were trying to repeal the law. Well, but misunderstandings. Uh, but they never talked about what they were trying to do, which is to impose an agenda which is quite radical on the armed forces. It's not been a proud chapter in the history of the United States Senate. What is so radical about this? Every other military that we invade countries with, <laughs> and even some that we don't, have gays in their military. What is radical about this proposition? There have been gays in the military as long as there has been a military. And I would imagine that in the early the early incarnations of our military, there was probably no you don't get kicked out for being gay. I mean, you got to figure there was some gay guys fighting in the Revolutionary War. I don't think they got kicked out if they found out they were gay. Uh, maybe about that. Maybe at that time they called it jolly. I don't know. <laughs> she also said the repeal would impose a new gender order in the military. That, quote, means that others will have to get used to the idea of ex being exposed to people who may be sexually attracted to them. <laughs> wow. You're going to have to get used to that idea, man. Uh, what about the idea that you have to get used to the idea that someone's going to shoot you in the head? Someone wants to kill you, wants to kill you. Or the one, the idea that, like, you have to kill somebody. Well, that, that I can deal with. The idea that there could be someone sexually attracted to me? Whoa! <laughs> I hope if they're sexually attracted to me, <clears throat> they want to kill me, because that I can deal with. <laughs> I want to make it clear to all gay people that if you are attracted to me, shoot me. Because I am prepared for that. But don't... <laughs> Don't don't try and ask me out on a date. These guys who um perfectly comfortable with people shooting at them, perfectly comfortable shooting people, or relatively comfortable. They're, they're the bottom line is they're more comfortable shooting, killing a human being, uh, or being shot by a human being than um, the idea that there could be a uh, someone of the same sex uh, sexually attracted to them. You know what I think? I think those people should be uh, kicked out of the military because they're unstable. <laughs> How's that? Is on my block. She rides the bus with me.
So let's presuppose for a moment that you actually enjoy this show. Now, if that's true, please consider supporting it with a $5 monthly membership. I actually quit my job as a climate activist to pursue this show full-time because this is where I felt like my talents could best be put to use and I could have the biggest impact on the world. But I really need your support to keep going. I produce 10 shows a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule posting shows at least every third day. So if all that is worth 5 bucks a month or as little as $55 a year, a little discount for you, please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. Set Janelle goes with some of the guy to the Halloween dance. They dress up like doctor and nurse. Congratulations all around to those who fought so hard to overturn Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Congratulations to President Obama for adopting a winning strategy and sticking with it. Congratulations to Defense Secretary Robert Gates and Admiral Mike Mullen, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, for recognizing the moral imperative of changing this policy and for acting on it. Congratulations to Harry Reid for keeping all Democratic senators in line. Congratulations even to Joe Lieberman, whose self-righteousness finally met a righteous cause. Congratulations to the Republican senators who were brave enough to break ranks. Congratulations to Representative Patrick Murphy for introducing the bill in the House and to Representative Tammy Baldwin for all her great work on it. Congratulations to the brave gay and lesbian service people who challenged this policy. Congratulations to the gay and lesbian rights organizations that worked so tirelessly to overturn it. Congratulations to the ACLU and other umbrella civil rights and civil liberties groups for joining the cause. Congratulations also to every single gay rights activist and supporter across the country who in the last four decades has revolutionized our society nonviolently. Such victories don't come around very often. So let's savor it. Congratulations. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Jess Levin. Over the weekend, Congress passed a law allowing gays and lesbians to serve openly in the military. Here's Rush Limbaugh's reaction. By the way, isn't it revealing, my friends, the same people who have only shown hatred and contempt for the U.S. military are the ones celebrating Don't Ask, Don't Tell is a great historic accomplishment? Of course, hundreds of military generals and defense officials have called for the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, including the current defense secretary, Robert Gates. And an overwhelming majority of Americans support the repeal. legislation. Let's all go nuts. What do I got here? Don't ask, don't tell has been repealed. It's been repealed. <laughs> all right. Uh, the vote uh, in the Senate uh, to repeal the 17-year ban on openly gay troops. Of course, we've had a ban on uh, gay troops for the entire existence of the United States military. Was 65 to 31. So they passed the filibuster easily. Uh, they got uh, 55 Democrats, two independents, and eight Republicans to vote for the repeal. Wow. Or as my grandma used to say, woo. So, uh, now of course, um, it had already passed the House 250 to 175. 
uh, go ahead, you tell me what I told you. I said this was the most likely to pass of all the legislation. But hey, credit where credit is due, they got it done. And it's not just extended to this, which of course has enormous popularity, not throughout, uh, not just throughout the country, but a majority of Republicans and uh, a great majority of our armed forces. Let me throw one other fact out there for you. Uh, 92% of the people in the armed forces who say that they served with someone they knew to be gay said that it did not affect the troops, their morale, their readiness in any way, shape, or form. 92%. Okay. So now it, you could say in a lot of ways, hey man, that's a hell of an easy victory. That 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 should have been done on day one, and I hear you on that. But listen, it, it's the reason I'm giving him uh, a little bit more credit is it's not just that it passed on its own. But remember, Obama said I had to do that tax cut deal so we can get to some of these other issues because the Republicans said that they would filibuster everything and actually of course in the end they filibuster anyway as I told you but nonetheless at least since they got that tax cut deal through that allowed the eight other Republicans to say okay well we're gonna vote the way we would have normally voted now that we got the tax cuts for the rich alright we will release some of the hostages so this is one of the hostages that was released <laughs> so in some way, uh, definitely, you give the Democrats credit, you give the eight Republicans who voted the right way credit. Uh, all right, and 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 we said, look, uh, this they're on the wrong side of history, the people opposed to this, and they were going to lose, and the only question was when. Apparently that question was answered over the weekend. It is now. They have lost. Of course, they're not letting it go. John McCain said that he blamed the elite liberals. Apparently over 70% of the country is elite liberals. Fantastic. Good to know that. He said that... Uh, of the troops, quote, they will do what is asked of them, but don't think that there won't be a great cost. Really? What, great cost of what? Are people going to die? Like, oh, here, let me give you another quote so you understand what I'm saying. General James Amos, head of the Marine Corps, has always been oppo opposed to this repeal. He said, I don't want to lose any Marines to this distraction. How does that work? I'm just curious. Like, they're out in Kandahar and they're like, I don't know, there's Taliban over here, there's gays over here, I can't tell who's who. And then what, they get killed? That's absurd. It's patently absurd. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that the gays would be on our side. Now, now look, the Taliban actually has, we've done a long, his stories on how they actually take boys home, but they're, they claim to be totally against it. Huh, that sounds a lot like our conservatives. That's really interesting. Anyway. I don't see how that gets anybody killed, neither does anybody else, except for these holdovers like uh, the head of the Marines and, and, and of course, John McCain. Uh, 25 other countries allow gays to serve, uh, serve openly, including Britain, Canada, and those well-known softies in Israel. Israel. Uh, and, uh, by the way, just so you're clear, the Marine Corps uh, head is against it, but... Uh, nearly every other major military leader is in favor of it, including the head of the Joint Chiefs, including the head of the Pentagon. And, uh, you know, McCain always says, hey, I, I don't know anybody who's been thrown out because of this. This is all propaganda, etc. So here's some numbers for you. 13,500 service members have been dismissed since 1993 when Don't Ask, Don't Tell began. 13,500 people where the military said no. You're not allowed to die for us. Uh, you're not allowed to serve your country because you're gay. <laughs> Look, I've said this before. I mean, if I'm gay and they send me, they're going to send me to Iraq, I'd be like, all right, I got no interest in dying in Iraq. Uh, I think they're doing you a favor. But all right, gays wanted to serve. Of course, to get beyond discrimination, 
God bless their hearts, they now have that. All right, chalk one up for the Obama administration, etc. She says, wake up, it's no use pretending. I'll keep stealing, breathing her. Birds are leaving over autumn's ending. One of us will die inside these arms. Eyes wide open. Naked as we came. One will spread. From the Uber blog, America blog, and America blog gay for that matter, uh, John Aravosis. Welcome to the program, John. Hey, Sam. How are you? Good. A little, little tired. I would imagine. <laughs> so, uh, this repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, tell us about it. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, it is. I think, I mean, you know, as we've been telling everyone, repeal has not happened yet. You know, this basically put repeal in the hands of the president and the Defense Department. Right. Um, even though legally that didn't happen because a president can't repeal legislation under the Constitution, um, but basically it did. Uh, so it's, it's going to be up to them next year to figure out what comes next. Um, so I think there's still going to be a lot of wrangling. You know, we've had concerns whether they were going to come up with some cute separate but equal thing with, you know, those those blasted showers, you know, right. dangerous showers. Right. Um, so we're still really worried about what they're really going to come up with, but it's still a hell of a step forward because we would have had nothing. If, if we didn't get this, we'd be dead next year with the Republicans in the House. Right. So this is really just about how they're going to ex execute the process. Um, yes. Well, I mean, what it, but it's about how they're going to execute the process, but it actually permitted us to have a process. I mean, right. a lot of us were not really happy when we heard that this was the bill because we were hoping we were going to have an actual repeal bill. Um, you know, the White House basically caved and said, no, that's all we're getting. And in the end, you know, it was take it or leave it. And it was better to take it than not just because it did. It preserved the chance for us next year. And actually, I would throw one more point. The fact that everybody is so confused and thinks this is a repeal bill, I right. think, works to our advantage now. At first, I was worried because I was like, folks, we're getting screwed. But now, even Admiral Mullen, you know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, has called this a repeal bill, which means if they don't repeal this next year, it's going to be a pretty big explosion, I think. Right. And this doesn't necessarily stop any of the legal cases, right? I mean, so, uh, I mean, now you have um, uh, Secretary uh, of Defense Gates who has said we need this bill because otherwise we're at the mercy of the courts who could just who could just uh flip it in a second and now in some ways it 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 it, it it's still the court cases still provide an incentive for gates to move right i mean i i think the you're breaking up on me a little bit so tell me if i'm breaking up on you here no but, i um, hear you um, okay good the legal cases uh you know they should still proceed ahead and actually you know, well, for the reasons I said, which is we don't know what's going to happen you know, over the next year or two. We don't know whether they're going to try to exempt the Marines, whether they're going to exempt combat forces, whether they're going to uh, uh, have implementation happen over a three- or four-year period just conveniently into the next presidency. Is it President Obama or is it President Palin? You know, I mean, there's, we need to sort of get this thing done in the next year or so, I think, the next year and a half max. So the legal cases help because they keep pressure on the administration, and frankly, we may just win. 
Right. <laughs> you know, so I think we've got to keep the cases up. I mean, to that degree, I was a little nervous when I read this weekend that the ROTC, the campuses are starting to let ROTC back in, uh -huh. ROTC. Because, you know, they banned ROTC years ago uh, to show support, basically not even just to show support, because they don't allow discriminatory uh, agencies and businesses to come on campus. Uh, and, you know, and only pick certain students versus others based on, you know, who they are. Um, and now they're starting to let them in saying, we won. Well, you know, uh, we didn't win yet. Having said that, it, it does give us the chance if they screw us next year to put the ban on ROTC back in, which frankly would put more pressure. Right. So I think no matter how you look at it, we're still in a mu I mean, this was a big win, no matter what. It really was. Well, so, I mean, talk to me, uh, talk to me a little bit about it in terms of, I mean, uh, you know, uh, from, from, a, from a personal standpoint. I mean, because I think, you know, this is, this is one of those interesting things where it's a, um, it, it makes me very proud to be a liberal because, I mean, frankly, for me personally, it doesn't make a difference whether or not, um, uh, although I, I guess you could argue that it makes us less secure, but frankly, you know, I think we could uh, lose half our military and still be uh, as secure as we need to be. Uh, but, I mean, for me personally, it doesn't affect my life in one significant way or another, if uh, if 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 gay people can serve in the military, but at the same time, I think you know, and I think this is true of many liberals, but people are very invested in this because this is a step forward in terms of of civil rights of of our fellow citizens, uh, uh, you know, becoming full fledged citizens. They're not there yet, but it's certainly a step in that direction. I mean. Talk to me about this from that from that perspective. Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I think there are multiple layers to sort of the civil rights aspects of this. First of all, obviously, there's just the soldiers themselves fighting. Right. You know, and and it's it's not even civil rights for them. They're on the battlefield. They're putting their lives down the line for us, and they're having to worry as to whether someone's following them, snooping on them, everything else when they're trying to get their job done. You know, I mean, that's not even civil rights. That's just. It's, 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 it's more than basic fairness when you're talking about somebody who's literally willing to die for you and you're, you know, following around after them, chasing them and snooping and everything else. Um, right. so, I mean, it, this, this just simply makes the lives of, you know, potentially 60,000 troops. I mean, no one knows the exact number for, for obvious reasons because they're closeted. It'll, you know, these guys, they can't be out. Um, it, it makes it a lot easier once this goes through. Um, the larger civil rights aspect is simply you know, your country telling you that you're not good enough to die for it. And I know that sounds kind of a twisted way, especially for liberals. You know, a lot of us, a lot of liberals, I think, aren't really big on, on, on you know, the Defense Department, <laughs> not really big on war. But it's, it's the more general concept of your country saying you're not even worthy to defend it. You know? You know, we're going to take some people. Some people are worthy to defend the nation, but the rest of you, ooh, you kind of give us the cooties. It, it's, it's sort of the biggest slap in the face your nation can give you to some degree. I mean, short of going into, you know, much ho more horrible things that happened during World War II, obviously, but I'm saying in terms of a sort of principled slap in the face, this is about as, as harsh as you can get. And do you think, I mean, what do you think the implications of this will be for uh, marriage equality? I mean, do you, do you think this, I mean, uh, my, my sense is, is that you know, from a technical standpoint, you, you know, and from, I guess, not even so technical, but from a literal standpoint, this isn't a repeal, but there certainly is a perception that it's a repeal, and there certainly is a right. perception that, like, you know, that if the military can do this, the rest of society can see gay people as being, uh, you know, worthy of full citizenship. 
I think, you know, I, I, again, that's, that's sort of the more practical aspect is just looking at it and saying, yes, you know, if the military can do this, others can. I think there's a, a larger impact you have, which we saw when, uh, when blacks were integrated into the military, that it had an incredible effect across the country in terms of, you know, taking men and women from sort of every slice of life in every city and every state around the country and mingling them and getting them to know each other and realize that we're all Americans had an incredible impact, you know, when those guys went home. And, and just so you've got that aspect, too, of all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over the years, everyone in the military from all over the country are going to realize that, you know, we're all Americans, we're all normal, and we're all good people. That That's a, that's a great thing to have happen, and I think it, it impacts... Well, I mean, hell, it'll impact those guys when they go home and they hire people. I mean, it's just, it's just important. You know, on gay rights overall, I don't really like to draw the distinction from the military thing and saying, yeah, we're going to get marriage or something, because that wasn't the point, and it's also a great way to kill it from happening. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, the military bed saying like, it's not about marriage. Um, I think that any victory we have starts to tell the courts that that this might just be prejudice we're talking about. It's not just, you know, how do you argue that there's a rational basis for, I don't know, what anti-gay law when the government starts providing benefits here and there? You know, when they start having marriage in Massachusetts and, what is it, four or five other states, right. I can't even keep up, you know, how many there are every day. Um, it just starts, to, the, the more rights you have, the more it suggests to the courts that, or, or actually the more evidence it gives to the courts to say, these are civil rights we're talking about. There really isn't a rational basis for why you're discriminating because X, Y, and Z is doing it, and they're fine. You know, whereas up until now, so I mean, that's the impact as well from the military decision is it just it is the government signaling that you know what you're not a bunch of pedophiles. I mean, to, to put it to put it as bluntly as possible. So I tried to write you a love song, but all the music came out wrong. So I hope that you dance along. I hope that you dance along with me. Another class for me today At least I know that means you're here to stay I don't want you to mess up Because of all your time I'm taking up The only thing is I can't stop Yeah, it's looking like you're really stuck with me Ask, now I'll tell The repeal of the Clinton-era relic Don't ask don't tell, has marked the second time that Barack Obama has passed a bill that Bill Clinton couldn't when he was president. The first was health care, of course. The don't ask, don't tell repeal is the second. In spite of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, and the sad state of the U.S. economy, not to mention the drubbing his party took in the midterms, Obama has adroitly turned negatives into positives. The repeal of DADT wasn't really on the radar until after the midterm elections, perhaps because Democrats didn't want to face a wave of ads branding them as liberal activists for supporting repeal. After the losses of November, there was really nothing else to lose. But while one powerful Democratic constituency, gays and lesbians, pulled off in upset, the same couldn't be said for another constituency, Hispanics. Although the nation's fastest-growing minority they didn't have the muscle of gays and lesbians who let the administration know they were not happy. Now, for one of five votes, the DREAM Act was lost. It's quite unlikely that a Republican House 
will move such a bill forward. That said, Obama has proved himself an adept politician able to move when seemingly stymied. From death row, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. Bending spoons with my mind, manifesting men of all kinds in my spare time. Oh, how I struggled in vain to solve this riddle with my brain. When the answer's in my hand, so I'm on a Don't Ask, Don't Tell is not about marriage, but marriage is not even about marriage. I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, the, the right wing is uh, correct about one thing. Their concern about uh, marriage equality is not just um, marriage. It's that uh, society will acknowledge that gay people are just like people, <laughs> you know, that are that gay people are people and that they're right. they're right. they're normal. And I think that right. is really, at the end of the day, what all of this is about. Right. No, that, I mean, it's, it's it, it, you know, they, they almost don't want to put it as blunt as it is, which is, you know what, if you hire a black guy, you might just realize that he's a nice guy. And right. you might go to lunch with him and everything else and become a friend, and there's lots of implications beyond the fact that you're giving him a paycheck. You might actually discover that he's a nice, normal human being. That he is a human being, period. Right. I mean, that is an incredible revelation for people who are racist. And I think that happens with every step forward on any civil rights. Well, it's not even just civil rights. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a matter of just humanity in general. The more you get to know people, hopefully the more you get to realize, you know, they're like you, other than a few people like maybe John McCain. But Yeah, well, let's um, talk about, I want know. to talk about some of the players in this, okay? Because I'm yeah. having a hard time, um, I'm having a hard time with this one. Uh, it, it, it really appears that one of the, hero may be a strong word, but one of the, um, one of the strongest, one of the big allies in this, or, gosh, I don't even know how to put this, is, uh, Joe Lieberman. Uh, yeah. it's, it's hard for me to even say it, uh, yeah. that, but I, I owe Joe Lieberman an apology, um, I still, uh, you know, and, and God bless Alex Perrine at Salon.com. It's okay for me still to hate him uh, because I do on uh, many other reasons. But Joe Lieberman actually um, was, a, was a force behind bringing this up. I mean, or, or was he just posturing? No, he, from everything we heard from our sources on the Hill, he really helped broker this deal. He was really working with Collins over the last, I mean, I'm sure before that too, but over the last several weeks, he was constantly working with Susan Collins to get her on board, you know, who was a moderate, well, she calls herself moderate, but Republican right. senator from Maine, who really was the linchpin for whatever reason. It seemed that wherever Collins went, the, the rest of the sort of the moderate crew of Republicans were going to go. So if we couldn't get her to buy off, they weren't going to buy off. So, it, it, you know, I... People have been asking me this, and I'm saying, you know, yeah, he, he really played an important role in this, and he came through. I mean, wow. you know, there, there, there's no other way to spend. <laughs> now, how do you, how do you explain uh, John McCain? The McCain 
thing is really weird. I mean, it's really weird, you know, for a number of reasons. I mean, and I mean, this is, I guess, once again, his chief of staff is gay. Now, I knew his chief of staff was gay before because I knew the guy. Um, but apparently he's back in the job again. Now, mind you, this guy was his chief of staff back in the 90s, which means he's had a gay chief of staff for a long time. And there was a break in the middle because I think he went to work for a lobbying firm or something. But, um, you know, top I know, top guy in his campaign, and these are openly gay, openly gay I'm talking, okay? You know, right. Top guy in his, in his presidential campaign, openly gay. Again, friend of mine was his uh, lawyer and or treasurer. Um, you know, great guy actually was on HRC's board for a while, the human rights campaign. Um, but but it, McCain has been surrounded by senior openly gay advisors. We're, we're talking to the point of he's met their partners, he's cool with it. And he could play the game of saying, well, the military is different, and I'm sure that's what he did with them. You know, well, this is different. This isn't about gay rights, it's about the military. But when you look at the speech he gave, talking about how, oh, the liberals in their Georgetown salons are going to be so happy about this, you know. Georgetown salons. Now, I'm assuming he doesn't mean hair salons, <laughs> be, but he's you know you know this this like what is this the 1960s that we all get together at Truman Capote's house and have cigarettes and talk about Sartre or something? I mean I, it was just it, it it struck me as a little bit of there was a little bit of bigotry involved in that comment. I think right you know I mean his own chief of staff is probably celebrating this you know one of the top advisors on his presidential campaign he knows is celebrating this his wife and daughter are celebrating this this it's it's weird for the guy to be so viscerally angry about this I, I don't I'm not sure what's motivating him I mean he was he was getting better years ago you know and then he became a nut job for the campaign but, but of course Lindsay, Lindsey Graham all, oh excuse me could you shut that please we got a sound problem in here when we open up the closet. Uh, Lindsey Graham. Oh, sorry. Right. Uh, Lindsey Graham also was uh, fought against this. Yeah, the Lindsey Graham. I mean, the Lindsey Graham thing is fascinating because who knows what's motivating him? You know, I mean, there have been there have been rumors and accusations for years that he's gay, and God knows he sets off. You know, my gaydar absolutely gets set off around Lindsey Graham. I couldn't tell you he's gay. I could tell you that I've never met a straight guy that's been that gay before. Certainly, you know, seeming, absolutely, I can say that. Um, you know, there have also been talk as to whether Graham was threatened by McConnell. You know, in all sorts of rumors that, that are out there about, wow. about uh, not, not this time around, but I mean recently. You know, McConnell had threatened him that if, if you know, if you don't join, you know, join us on whatever legislation we're going to start telling people who you are and all sorts of bullshit. Is it true? I don't know. Um, but, you know, it, it is always possible that somebody is disagreeing with you just because they legitimately disagree, especially like on the military thing. I could see somebody saying, oh, no, militarily, I just think it's not wise, blah, blah. Graham did not go off on any, on any vitriol. McCain went on such vitriol that it really made you think of cranky, bigoted old man. Yeah, you know, the only other thing that it made me think was that... Um uh, these guys are the classic guys who like to make themselves the fulcrum of the Senate. I'm yeah. talking about McCain, Graham, and Lieberman. And here's a situation where they're, you know, you've got, you know, the top military brass asking for this. You've got uh, a Republican uh, Secretary of Defense asking for this. You've got 70% of the population asking for this. So there's a certain amount of this is really not such a hard vote in the end of the day. Correct. And then I start to think these two guys, uh, these three guys have been motivated in every aspect of their entire senatorial career 
of positioning themselves in such a way that they have the most power possible. Right. So they have this gimme vote on some respects. You know, no one's going to look at McCain's already lost his uh, sort of bona fides in a way of being a moderate. It doesn't matter. He's got right. six years to run. He's never going to be running for president again. No, no. Uh, but how can they strengthen themselves in the coming years um, when the Senate's that much closer and their power actually increases because they're willing right. to do just about anything to increase their power? Well, right. Lieberman going back to the Democrats and saying, look at me. I'm a champion of one of these liberal positions. I'm a real right, right. liberal after all. And right. McCain going back to his people saying, look at me. I'm a right. real conservative after all. I'm using, I'm actually using Limbaugh's rhetoric. Not right. echoing right. it, right. using his actual word-for-word -word rhetoric. Right. Uh, this is going to set me up for when I become, you know, that gang of four again, or whatever it's going to be, right. gang of six or whatever, this is the predicate to that. Uh, I, you know, and that's why I think, to a certain extent, there was a little bit of theater going on here for Lieberman and and and, yeah. and McCain to be on such diametrically polar sides. Leads me to believe they're setting up right. uh, for Act Two. Look, there's always theater. Uh, involved in politics. Sometimes that's legitimate. I think when Kennedy got up there, he was fighting for real causes. But, you know, I'm sure Kennedy was, was doing bluster and everything for show at the same time, you know, because he felt it helped. Um, I know McCain, you know, I worked on the Hill for a Republican 20 years ago, and I remember when he and, and McCain would battle it out on pork and stuff in these hearing meetings, insanely yelling at each other, red face, and they'd walk out of the room, and behind the scenes, you know, behind the door when they walk out, all of a sudden they put their arms around each other, smiling and laughing. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, it was all for show. Now, right. it doesn't mean they didn't believe in the issue they were fighting, right. but the bluster was definitely for show. Now, well, I mean, the thing no, is, having, though, no, is yeah. that McCain changed his position on this rather in a, in a fairly short period yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was no new information in the past two years that would suggest that there's a bigger problem with having a, a removal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Right. No, the new information of the last two years is John McCain lost his, his life's dream to, to President Obama to be president. Right. And he's dicking back to get even. I, I, think that's ex I think that's what was going on. John McCain was fighting the election again. I'm going to be the big honcho by beating Obama on one of his top issues. Well, uh, John Aravosis, thanks for joining us. Huh. Um, <laughs> thanks, Sam. What was that? Oh, sorry. I said, I said, Andy, John McCain was taking on Obama, and he lost. Ha ha. Right. I, exactly. I, I've been, I tweeted this weekend, John McCain's fallen, and he can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, uh, not mocking the elderly. <laughs> I understand, of course. Just the crazy. Uh, John Aravosis from America Blog, thanks so much for joining us, John. Thanks, Sam. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. 
Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. So don't ask, don't tell. Let's get this out of the way. Now that, I mean, we're ecstatic, obviously, that it passed. And especially because... The repeal passed. The repeal passed, right. Especially because... Thank you. (laughs) Especially because, you know, there were people who didn't necessarily join the military because they want to kill brown people, but who were really poor and who were stuck in the military or just that no one, no matter where, even if you disagree with the war, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what your job is, you should never have to hide your true identity for fear of punishment. Right. I think sim- I think most adults can simultaneously, you know, support equality and want demilitarization demilitarization i think simultaneously you can hold both those ideas in your head at the same time yes um i wanted to talk about what a fucking embarrassment john mccain is oh yeah yeah yeah. well first just on this all right sure i mean he in one day completely destroyed his legacy i think i mean if he hadn't done it already with the whole bullshit maverick thing which just meant i'm gonna say one thing and then reverse my position a year later i'm a maverick you know but he literally got up there and started talking about the fact that some soldiers don't have legs, which I guess means gays are bad. Yeah. It was the most bizarre, humiliating, bigoted moment, I think, of his his legacy. And I was just like, how embarrassing. Can you imagine? First of all, being a relative of his, like his daughter is incredibly pro-gay rights, Megan right. McCain. How fucking embarrassing it must be to see your father basically just say, I would like to go in the history books as the villain. I would like you to just pencil my name in right now as the person who stood in between, you know, people who are trying to to honor their country in whatever way they think is meaningful and equality. Just fucking old man evil. Oh, just horror. It was such an embarrassing moment. And, then, and like, even Republicans were like, oh, God. And you I know? mean, like, he really, like, made this his fucking case. Um, you know, after it was repealed, his quote, today is a very sad day. Like, fuck you. You don't say it's a sad day when you give authorization to evade Iraq. You don't say it's a sad day when you give, you know, tax breaks to the wealthy. But equality. Equality. It's, I'm really sad. Fuck you. Although, Jamie Kilstein, I wanted to bring this up. Don't Ask, Don't Tell does not refer to transgendered people. And that's a big to-do within the transgendered community and within the military because there's no protection for so, transgendered people. So John McCain still has hope? He still has hope. You can still be bigoted towards transgendered people, John McCain, because they have absolutely no protection. <sighs> yeah, so that's the next you know front in the whole equality battle because even within the LGBT allied community, people tend to forget about transgendered people because right. if... Gays are a small percentage of the population. Transgender is an even smaller percentage, which that does not mean that they should not have equality. It's just that I think people overlook them sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what I want to read. I want to read it in full. It's a little bit long, but I know for a fact, because I felt like this at first on Don't Ask, Don't Tell until I read up on it and read up on how many people, how many gay and lesbian people are actually being hurt. Mm-hmm. 
by the policy. I always thought of it as like, don't join the army. But this was like ages ago, you yeah. know, when I didn't know much. But I want to read a letter or a statement by this guy named Brian Fisher. And Brian Fisher... I is, swear to you, I have a quote from him that I was going to read I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay. It might be a different quote because he's crazy. Well, it, well, let me read this. So Brian Fisher, he's from the American Family Association. Now, the reason I want to read this is because while a lot of our listeners may have been like, you know what, don't ask, don't tell. It's a, it's not a big deal. I'd rather gay marriage. Or I'd rather, you know, it'll happen in time. And maybe we're a little lazy on it. You need to hear what the other side is doing and how the other side is framing the debate to realize how important it is for every single one of you to be loud as fuck when it comes to defending gay rights. Because even on Don't Ask, Don't Tell, Allison and I have said the majority of Republicans were for it. But when you listen to this language, know that this is what we're fighting against. This is what we're going to be fighting against when it comes to gay marriage, when it comes to gay adoption, when it comes to full equality. And... We just need to be as active as possible. So he goes, we are now stuck with sexual deviants serving openly in the U.S. military because of turncoat Republican senators. Had the cloture vote failed, we would still have sane moral and sexual standards governing military personal policy. But sadly, those days are gone, perhaps forever. The armies of other nations have allowed gays to serve openly in the military. The reason they could afford to do so is simple. They could allow homosexuals to serve in the military because we didn't allow them to serve in ours. They knew they could count on the strength, might, power, and cohesion of the U.S. military to intervene whenever and wherever necessary to pull their fannies out of the fire and squash the forces of tyranny wherever they raise their ugly heads around the world. Those days are now gone. We will no longer be able to bail out these other emasculated armies because ours will now be feminized and neutered beyond repair, and there is no one left to bail us out. We have been permanently weakened as a military and as a nation by these misguided and treasonous Republican senators, and the world is now a more dangerous place for all. It's past time for a litmus test for Republican candidates. This debacle shows what happens when party leaders are careless about the allegiance of candidates to the fundamental conservative principles expressed in the party's own platform. Character-driven officers and chaplains will eventually be forced out of the military in mass. Potential recruits will stay away in droves, and re-enlistments will eventually drop like a rock. The draft will return with a vengeance and out of necessity, what Young, what young man wants to voluntarily join an outfit that will force him to shower naked with males who have sexual interest in him and might molest him while he sleeps in bunks? This isn't a game, and the military should never be used, as is now being done, for massive social reengineering. The new Marine motto, the few, the proud, the sexually twisted. Good luck selling that to a to oh here comes the repressed homosexuality. Good luck selling that to strong young males who would otherwise love to defend their country. What virile young man wants to serve in a military like that? And then it goes on for longer. But remember how he honestly thinks gay soldiers are going to molest straight soldiers in their sleep? Yeah. Like honestly, in Brian Fisher's little world, there is just gay sleep rape happening 24 hours a day in the military well i think in brian fisher's fantasy world you you know what i mean like yeah you don't want to be sitting in the shower and have some strong virile <laughs> marine just mount you up against your will and slowly spread your hateful repressed ass cheeks and yeah he's a he's a doozy all right did we get your quote in there 
We did. I actually wanted to contrast your horrible quote with an amazing uh, quote from an old, old Don't Ask, Don't Tell activist, somebody who was an activist for gays in the military before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was actually a policy. His name was Leonard Matlovich. And uh, Andrew Sullivan posted, he actually has this quote on his tombstone, and it makes me cry every time I see it. But it reads, When I was in the military, they gave me a medal for killing two men and a discharge for loving one. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to those who called in to leave a voicemail on the voicemail line. I'm going to forgo those today, as I uh, sometimes do for special occasions. This is one of those special occasions. But if you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action to be played uh, sometime on the show in the future, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. Now, what I'm going to do today is something I think is pretty special. I'm going to continue the uh, Source Story series. Uh, I think that's what I called it before. Uh, I don't actually remember. Um, where I tell stories about the sources that I use for the show. So previously, I've talked about the Majority Report and on the media. And uh, today, I'm going to talk about The Young Turks, uh, a very, very uh, well-known show to those who listen to uh, this program. They've been uh, a part of this show for literally its entire uh, existence. And I'm even going to prove that to you today by playing for you the very first show I ever produced, the the first bit of audio uh, that I put out on the feed uh, that was something other than just me talking. Uh, the, the very first thing I ever put together was just me speaking and introducing the show. The first time I ever tried to put two pieces of audio together take two things, stitch them together, make a show about it, and put it in the feed, was on January 30th, 2006, and it was two clips, literally just two, both from the Young Turks, and mostly politically meaningless, uh, and then the title of the episode was Nothing But Fun with the Young Turks, <laughs> so in a minute, I'm going to play that for you guys, um, but before I get to it, the story that I have uh, related to uh, to this show is um, for for anyone who has been like a fan of the Young Turks for a while has probably heard mention of the fabled 99-hour filibuster, and that's what I want to talk about today. So for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, when Samuel Alito was nominated, uh, the, the Democrats had been in this uh, very, very regular pattern of not filibustering anything because uh, you know they, they were in the minority, the only way they could stop anything in the Senate was to filibuster, which uh, we all know the Republicans do constantly these days. So the, the Democrats said every time the opportunity to fil filibuster came up, people would kind of uh, you know push them to do that. They would say, uh, no, no, we're keeping our powder dry. We're keeping our powder dry. Um, if we use the filibuster too much, it'll you know lose its strength. We won't you know it won't be taken seriously. Uh, you know whatever their excuses were were ridiculous, and so they would never do it and always say it was because they were keeping their powder dry. And Samuel Alito came up, extreme hardcore right winger, 
to be appointed to the Supreme Court, lifetime appointment. He was never going to be pulled down if he if he was uh, put in that spot. And everyone said, for the love of God, stop keeping your powder dry. This is it. This is the battle we've all been waiting for. And so uh, there was a little bit of speculation. Maybe they'd filibuster it. Maybe they'd be able to block the nomination. And the Young Turks uh, took a pretty bold step. I mean, it was an interesting step. I don't know if bold's the right word, but they decided, look, we're if, if the Democrats aren't going to do it, we're going to filibuster Samuel Alito. And so they went into their studio and talked and kind of had a, a little bit of a, a rotation of people come through. And that show stayed on the air for 99 hours straight in an attempt to get the attention of the media, get the attention of the politicians and block the nomination of Samuel Alito, which obviously failed and, uh, you know, should not have failed because we've all witnessed what a horrible Supreme Court justice he's become. So they were absolutely right to do it when they did it. And, uh, and it was a great thing they did. And so the way this relates to best of the left is that, uh, and, and I, I just looked this up today. I, I, I typed in into Google young Turks, 99 hour filibuster and an article from the LA Times came up, and that was printed in uh, Feb on February seventh, two thousand six. So, in my mind, the inception of Best of the Left, and that you know, kind of epic, uh, you know, fabled uh, story from the Young Turks of the ninety-nine hour filibuster, almost you know, basically coincided. And they act, they literally coincided at one point because, as you can imagine, during a 99-hour hour filibuster where the hosts were talking nonstop, they were encouraging people to call in pretty regularly, you know, give us a break from talking, call in, tell us something, talk to us, do whatever you want, help keep the show going, but give us a little bit of a break from, from talking the whole time. And so I thought, okay... Like this, it's pretty self-serving, um, but because it's this unique circumstance of 99-hour filibuster, it's not just like the regular show where you should call in and talk about a political subject and then and then get off the phone. I thought, you know what? Like, I'm a fan of these guys, and uh, and their audience, I think, would be a fan of my show if they knew about it. So I took that opportunity. I, I was trying to you know be a good um, marketer for myself. And so I called them up during their filibuster and told them about the show. Uh, I said, I just launched this show. It's absolutely brand new. I think it's going to be huge. I think uh, people are going to love it. I think it's a really great idea, but I'm just getting it off the ground. And I, you know, I want people to know about it. And at that time, you know, I, I, I didn't know about being on the internet. I wasn't using my real name. I was using a moniker uh, of hippie sympathizer because I was like, look, like, that kind of describes me. I'm not really a hippie, uh, but I sympathize. <laughs> so, so that's what I was calling myself. And, you know, I had all these ideas. I was kind of throwing everything against the wall to see what was going to stick to have the show become what it is. Um, and so I actually set up hippiesympathizer.com was actually the website of the show at the very beginning. And I thought I would be doing these shows the way you know them, but I would also, you know, write my own political essays, uh, you know, do my own blog and that sort of thing, and then have another show that was me speaking instead of the best of the left as you know it. And so I, I kind of hurriedly and nervously gave this whole spiel 
uh, to the Young Turks during their filibuster. And when I stopped, uh, I was astonished. I was like dumbfounded and, and frozen in my tracks when Jenk answered. And, and his answer immediately before saying anything, he said, um, I had just given him, you know, the website people could go to him, hippiesympathizer.com. And his question was, is that an IE or a Y? I was like, first, like, what are you, what? Oh, uh, IE. And I was just like astonished by that because, uh, and and I, I don't know if I noticed it like in the moment, but afterwards, I realized like that was indicative of something about him and and you know any talk show host who's any good has an amazing ability to actually listen to people and and that's what that told me in that moment was holy shit he was really listening to me like he really heard what I said he heard about the show he, you know, he heard what I was saying about the name I used, he, you know, the, the website I gave, and he immediately put it together that he needed to, that, that clarifying question to get the real website out there. Is it hippie spelled with an IE or spelled with a Y at the end? And so I was blown away by that. Um, you know, the, it's been five years since then. And of course, the Young Turks have been a huge part of this show, and there are lots of other stories I could tell about them. Um, but but that's basically the origin story of uh, of how you know the first major connection uh, that I made with them, and uh, and got my own show on their radar to whatever small extent, and then we've kind of become uh, you know friends since then in in more meaningful ways over the years. So like I said, as, as kind of a treat, uh, as, as part of this uh, source story series, I'm going to play the very first, I mean like embarrassingly bad quality, but, uh, but the very first thing I ever put together using other people's clips, just two clips from the Young Turks, it's like it's six and a half minutes or something. It was obviously just a test run that I was doing, so I'm going to finish the show. Uh, you'll hear the music as normal, uh, you know, go up, and then the show will end. And then, uh, and, and then stick around at the end for that last bit where I will play that very original, uh, very first ever show uh, put out on the Best of Left, which is actually not available anywhere. It is not on the website. It's not anywhere. You can't get it anywhere as far as I know unless you were listening at the time and you saved it. So, uh, so very exciting for everyone. So now just to finish up, I want to thank a couple of members. Stephen W. signed up as a leftist uh, back on April 27th, my birthday last year, signed up for a full year in advance, and George H. signed up also as a leftist on August 29th, signed up for a monthly membership and has stuck with the show since then. So huge thanks to Sean and George and all of the members and donors who keep the show going. Stay connected and tuned in to the show and help spread the word online by joining us on Facebook and Twitter. Get details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode. All of that information is always listed on the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor
The hair stands up on my back every time I hear the few, few, few chords to Born to Run. doesn't matter what context. I heard it then. I was like, oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic in concerts. It's fantastic when I hear it on the radio. It just, uh, it's just... Uh, you have a man crush on, on Bruce Springsteen. I have a man crush on the whole band. If Bruce Springsteen was to come in here right now, yeah, and he said, Ben Mangus, I'm willing to hug you really, really hard... Like, in a way that's almost uncomfortable and awkwardly, like, possibly slightly homoerotic. Would you squeal like a little girl? No, would you do... Not squeal, but would you do it? Uh, I mean, uh, we're just hugging uncomfortably? Yeah. Uh, uh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> of course. <laughs> would you grab his his penis? Well, then we've... Then, no, then, then, that's, then that's, that's a ridiculous that's question. A ridiculous that's question. what a female groupie would do. Uh, no, but would no. you let him uh, brush up against you, if you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no. No, okay, that's what no, you but I mean, But it's like either you hug really tight and he brushes up. I mean, do I get anything out of it? I, I want to have a conversation with him. That's what I want to All have. right, he's going to have a five-minute conversation, tw- 12-minute conversation with you, oh, okay? That's a yeah. significant conversation. But he's going to hug you so tight that you feel him on you. For the total conversation? <laughs> no, 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 no. For like 45 <laughs> seconds before and the conversation. And he squeezes your buttock. Yeah. No, I he's think not going to touch you. He's Why? Not gonna <laughs> no, 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 because that's, that's out of bounds. It's an obvious no. So I don't understand. I feel him on What are you talking about? You feel them on you. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't. And then I'm done. I want to no. But a little bit. Like, you can't quite tell. Is that him? Is that not him? You know, maybe he's just happy to see me. Maybe it's a cell phone in his pocket. No, I'm not interested in any of that. <laughs> no. Then no, no, and I'm not. It's not like I would recoil from that, ooh, that's gross. I, I, that's fine. I don't care. That would not bother me at all. I just, now all of a sudden. Really? That wouldn't bother you at all? I don't care. I'm moving a hug. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's dressed, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, what if you and Jesus hugged and he's on you? You know, I, first, I, I, I would, I'd get over it in, in, in an eighth of a second. Really, that would uh, that take me eight years to recover from that? No, I mean, Jr. But I'm a bad guy. I'm you no, know. no, I don't care about any of that. I just, I don't want to get to the point. Like, I want to have a conversation with him, but I don't, I don't want to pay for the conversation. <laughs> I want him to want to have the conversation. He's a huge fan of classic movies. Springsteen is, so I'm, I secretly hope that he knows who I am. You know, and he's on uh, Sirius all the time now. They have a whole channel devoted to Bruce. Yes, they do. I, 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 I can't. I, I don't even change the channel ever. It's, unless, of course, you're listening to Sirius Left. I never change the channel. Oh, oh, bad. The God, these guys are terrible with marketing. Anyway, uh, so there's some chance Bruce could be listening right now. Bruce, you don't, you know, right? Yeah. It, just so you now you have a sensitive parameters as to how far you can go with Ben. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For that conversation he's dying to have with you. Right. That's it. Exactly. Um, okay. I'm, I'm prepared to take some risks. All right. It's it goes with that theme. See, we hit the Jews in the first segment uh, of this hour, or the second segment, mm-hmm. uh, the Orthodox rabbi suckling the baby boy's penises and giving him herpes. Then we just hit the Muslims, right? Because this guy wants the annihilation of Israel. It's ridiculous. Christians, nah. Christians, totally. Christians. It's, it's time to go get the Christians. Uh, ministers apparently snuck into the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, hall where they're having the meeting, where they're um, the hearings on Alito. First, they try to go in, and they got blocked, and they say, ah. "Oh, like like religious ministers." Yeah, yeah Christian oh. ministers, and they said, "No, I'm." They said, "We'd like to sprinkle holy oil on the seats." Hmm. Sure. And the government officials were like, uh, "Security mm. guys, are like, I'm sorry that we, you can't do that." Right. Anybody know that'll stain? <laughs> 
Well, we'll find out soon enough if it did, because then the Christian ministers went, ha ha, na na boo boo, we already snuck in yesterday and sprinkled it anyway. So why you had to come back? Well, I guess they were going to try to do it like as a publicity thing, you know, publicity stunt. But I love that because they wanted to cover their bases just in case you got to get the holy oil in there. So first let's sneak in, put the holy oil on the chairs, and then the next day we'll come as a publicity stunt, and maybe they'll let us do it or maybe we, they won't, but just in case we got, we got our bases covered. You know who believes putting your ass on holy oil makes a difference in a Supreme Court nomination proceedings? Yeah, uh, r- r- rabbis who who sort of lick the blood off the penises of boys they've just circumcised. In the same group of people. Yeah, fundamentally crazy people. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Holy oil, holy oil. It's 2005. We're still sprinkling holy oil on things. It's uh, actually 2006. Uh, you're right. Thank you. 2006. Right. 2005. It would have made some sense. Right. Sprinkling holy oil on on desks and chairs in the Senate Judiciary Committee. And so when the senators and Alito sit on them, that's supposed to somehow bless them so that Alito will come on there and defeat Roe versus Wade. It has something to do with the oil and the anal glands and the sphincter and stuff. It all kind of works in unison. Look, you know, the thing is, we're not making these stories up. They're the ones that are bringing it to us. And then ironically, of course, of course, if we bring these to the affiliates, right, and they're going to give us trouble for this. Hey, you guys were talking about crazy stories. No, but these are the religious people who are doing these crazy things. It's not our fault for talking about it. It's their fault for doing it. Yeah, you can't be afraid to talk about this stuff. All right. Uh, Reverend God likes to enter humans through the anus. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. Now okay. that's the problem. Okay. Uh, Reverend Robert Shank of the National Clergy Council in Washington said, don't worry, quote, we did adequately apply oil to all the seats. Oh, so we're, okay. We're, we're covered. Thank you, Robert Shank. Bob Shank's a good guy. And Bob, the thing about Bob Shank is he's always fair with the uh, oil distribution. And uh, another example of that here. God save us from the religious. Young Turks.